Hey everybody, you're listening to And Then What Happens, the serial fiction podcast where only you know what happens next. I'm Chris Robinson. I'm Kathleen Wisniewski. And we're back to the interviews this week. This week we have Christopher Irvin, who wrote episode five. Kathleen, do you remember what happened in that episode? Yeah, I have a pretty good memory of what happened. Um, so at the end of the previous episode, Ghost has uh, driven off with McGrady. Uh, he's seen no more on the shoulder. And then we get to this uh, restaurant slash dance club um, where we assume we're going to be meeting one of the Veracruz brothers. Mm-hmm. But... Everyone walks into the restaurant. Was totally surprised. It's not a Veracruz. It's this dirty cop named Bazoo, who is one of their enforcers. <clears throat> That's right. One of the things that Chris did really well with this episode was add some some action and some fighting, which, despite uh, the uh, you know noir tw- tropes that we've had in the podcast so far, no one's thrown a punch. <laughs> uh, so it was good to get some of that. And uh, there's some great discussion with Chris about making sure that there are problems for characters. That's right. Hopefully hearing how the episode got written uh, is enough to spark a little inspiration in your heart, and you want to write a future episode. Uh, How would they do that, uh, Kathleen? They would go to our excellent website. It's uh, at the address andthenwhathappens.com, and you scroll down, and there is a form that you fill out. Uh, paste in your edition and send it in and we will contact you if we decide to use it which we very likely would um, and then find out things like if you want us to use your name a uh, code name shout out any of your other projects and if you're open to being interviewed 100 uh, percent little known fact about the website getting a revamp we're gonna do some new special stuff with the website Uh, Very exciting. Lots to come in regards to this grand old podcast that we've been putting together for, I don't know, I think we're on episode like 12 or 13, when you count in all the interviews and stuff. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Um, For those of you that use Twitter, you can follow me, at Chris Robinson. And I'm at Wright Nesky. And soon, we're going to be doing a very special, um, I wouldn't call it a promotion, sort of like an extension of the podcast, an extension of the game that we're playing here that pl- takes place on Twitter. Keep an eye out for that, um, you know, so that you c- there are even more ways to participate, uh, you know, if you don't have time to write a full episode. That's very exciting. It is very exciting. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into the episode. The next voices you will hear are ours and uh, writer Christopher Irvin. Okay, so here we are. Uh, we have... Christopher Irvin, who wrote episode five, and uh, he's here to talk about everything that went into his episode, inspirations, um, what he was thinking. Um, but before we get into that, into the episode, Chris, uh, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? We're, we're good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Excellent. I went apple picking today. It was a quaint New England morning. Wow. Apple picking. Yeah. And here we are, talking podcast, crime, all kinds of things. <laughs> Kathleen loves apples. This is <laughs> a <young>. secret <laughs> love of hers. Yeah, look, look out for my apple podcast coming soon. Nice. Well, we need, we need the recipes, so, you know, the apple podcast will be welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Man, um, yeah. So apple apples are are great. We all love apples. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, writing. So predominantly, you don't you you do you do a lot of prose fiction, right? Yeah, uh, I think I started with short stories. I don't know, it feels like forever ago, like ten years ago, and then. Um, Wrote a couple of novellas and a not my novel Ragged uh, came out three three years ago, which that's up for uh, I'll get the rights back in November and I'll go to a new publisher, which will be exciting once I get that all uh, settled. But since then, I've actually just been like playing a lot of uh, pen and paper role playing games and writing a lot of that uh, for my friends that I play with, um, and then writing you know the episode for the podcast, which was a lot of fun. Hell yeah, man! The um uh, what do you call it? It's funny that uh, you bring up role-playing games that have like a, a, such a large creative component because that that's like a thing we keep <laughs> keeps coming up with us um, <laughs> because you know I can't I can't crack it so it's just like <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> but every everyone we talk to and all of our friends like everyone loves this stuff and I just can't access it and I feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> But it does seem That's like, funny. yeah, it does seem like something that a, a lot more people got into with like mostly having to relate to their friends remotely. That's right. Um, yeah. And so we, we were wondering, like, maybe this podcast is a, a way for people like us who can't quite get into a real RPG <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to do pretend storytelling. Yeah, it's fun. I actually didn't think about this podcast in that way before. Uh, now that you mentioned it, because um, so f- for me since uh covid like that's the one thing that's been consistent because i play with my college roommates who are mostly in ohio so we've all we've always played on skype and so that was our one thing of like you know i would fly back like a couple times a year and we would play games in person but um that's our one consistent thing that didn't have to change um but yeah it is very episodic right and for me it's one of my favorite things because it's um or at least the way we, you know, there's a million different ways to run those kinds of games, but we leave it very open and it's that collaborative storytelling, right? Where the failures and everything going wrong is your favorite, most memorable parts. Um, and I could see there's a lot of similarities with how the show could go where everything could be getting worse and worse and worse, but, or going different directions like it has, and you don't know because it is collaborative in a way, right? Um, not, not between, creators writing each episode but the way that it's handed off and taken kind of in any direction that the next person wants to go yeah man it's it's like a baton that we're all passing and like adding to and manipulating and then passing off again (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but so so yeah so you you mentioned uh you know doing the rpg thing as like you know part of uh your past experience with serial storytelling or cooperative writing um but like, uh, in terms of like, uh, your own stuff, I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I have a, a pretty good handle on, on the stuff you're writing, but like, <laughs> it's all, it's all kind of one and done stuff, right? Like ragged is, is its own thing. Um, you know, it, uh, inside the violence, right. Is, is the title safe inside the violence. Sa- yeah. the violence. Yeah. That was its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I have actually written, I don't think about it having written it, I've written a lot of comic scripts as well, um, which just haven't been published. So I don't always think of it as having, but that was a huge chunk of my writing was writing a lot of issues. Um, but yeah, you're right. I do think about things 
in the future that I could tack like a sequel to Ragged or some spinoffs from it. But this was unique in, you know, listening to what had been done and trying to put your own spin on it, but leave something for someone else to take and run with afterwards. Oh, yeah. So uh, thinking along those lines, what in the previous episodes were you most excited to pick up and build on or change? So the relate, uh, so, and I'm blanking on his name, the face in the shoulder. No more, no more. <laughs> no more. Uh, so I had a lot of, so with this, like, um, and Chris and I have talked about this a little bit off, off the podcast, but that I figured when I started listening that it might, I haven't really written a lot since my novel. I wrote a novella that I need to finish, um, but I've mostly been focused on kind of personal writing for the games and other things that have just been done for friends and not with the intention of ever putting it in front of a wider audience. And so this was, I kind of viewed as like with a little bit of uh, anxiety of like this would be a challenge to, uh, and I don't have a lot of time right now just between work and COVID and like the kids at home and everything's insane to crank through something and be, feel good about it, to her, turn it over, to have it read, you know, and, and be online. And, um, so I was started to write just by hand and then was like, all right, I'm going to take like a night, which was like two hours and I need to plow through this. Like I need to give Chris and Kathleen something that I feel good about. Um, but I can't take forever. And so keeping in mind with your kind of PG 13 ish level two, like there were a couple of things with Nomar that was like, I need it to get worse. Um, and not to ramble forever on this, but like my thing kind of thinking going in was it's got to get worse. Cause I think I was at the fifth episode and I can't, I can't really resolve anything at this point. At least that was my thought going in. Um, and so he's got, it's got to somehow get worse. And Nomar was, um, you know, a source of information I thought, or at least this character that could send them in some kind of direction. And, but also is so, strange and um like offensive i would think to some like a bad guy like this is awful like <laughs> like some like anathema like like demon thing that like uh so my initial thought was like real bad like to like he'd put a cigarette out in his eye or like really mess him up uh and then I was like, ah, so, and, and part of that was timing too, or like word count. And again, feel free to cut me off because I'm just going to ramble forever. But um, word, the word count, I was like, I've only got a couple hours. I got to get to like a thousand ish words. And I, I thankfully just kind of how I've developed writing over the novel is I kind of edit as I go. So I feel pretty comfortable when I get to the end. Um, but everything I wanted to do then would tack on a little bit more of like, well, if he puts the, would she let him put the cigarette out in his eye? Like what would she, um, what would be the reaction? What would everyone do in the room? Like, this is pretty extreme. Right. Um, and then that kind of was like, I don't know where to go from there. Would that mess things up? I can't have, I can't have this like shootout in this room and like everybody die or this thing end right now. So I kind of, and then I was like, ah, that's pretty aggressive too for like the podcast. I don't know if that's where, where that might go. So, um, no, I, I think you're right, man. I think, you know, one of the things that serial stories do, I mean, it's hard to not just say like, I'm talking about comics because I, I do think this sort of applies to everything, but I'm talking about comics. Um, <laughs> you know, writers get into this place where they feel, um, 
bad or or they 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 become too precious about the characters right Mm-hmm. And that's when you end up with a lot of um, you know issues there where nothing happens, nothing's at stake, nothing's you know what I mean. There's no no risk, you know. And it's like you know we got to do the stuff where you know you beat the hell out of Foggy Nelson. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to yep. um, have bad things happen to these people because that's we 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 identify with them because bad things happen to us. You know, so and you don't have a story without conflict. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I appreciate you. Um, trying to raise the stakes. I do remember reading it and being like, this is the most brutal episode we've had yet. Um, right. <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking when I think you mentioned that, I was like, oh, if they only had the thoughts or knew my thoughts were like other things I was going to do to these guys. I, thought, I actually, I, I thought the super glue was like even better than a cigarette because like, like a cigarette's like he's got that on hand. It's sort of like a thoughtless action, but to like glue someone's mouth shut uh, it's so crazy, and I, I I wish that that was something that um, people had like stuck with, like what we yeah. dealt with. Really, it's sort of just like the the glue dissolved at some point, and then no more was talking again. Um, but mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was a, a really great character moment for Bazoo. Thing or like, would she have to like cut his mouth open, right? Or yeah. like, would there, you know? <laughs> I think if you've ever gotten um, you know like super glue on your on your skin, like. You know, you can just yank it open. Like it hurts, but it's, it's not. It's not like it's not like right. being sewn shut or something. Yeah. Um, right. Since we're talking about Bazoo at the moment, where did that thought come from? Like, where did where did you get the idea for that guy? Because he's awesome, but he also feels sort of archetypical. Arch, um, yeah. Yeah. Tell tell us about him. He's a great addition. So uh, for Bazoo when we were talking about the Veracruzes or listening up to that point about the Veracruzes into that he was going to suppo- allegedly like go meet the main Veracruz brother. Um, I didn't want him to meet the Ver- Veracruz brother that he was intended to meet because that felt like a dead end and that it needed to go somewhere else. So the initial thought was Bazu was working for the other brother and was going to take over like with a plan to take over the family kind of business and yeah, he is a he is a very stereotypical like corrupt cop, you know. Um, but that I need I didn't want him to, or and I didn't want him to meet anyone in the Veracruz family. Basically, show up in that he's because that's too high at that at that point in the story. Thinking that they wouldn't want to meet him face to face, it send some underling to kind of take care of it. So that's kind of how he was born out of that. Is he'd be an easy um, character that you could kind of play with as a villain and then you'll be a bad guy that could be come back or get killed off or you know he was kind of a pliable character um and that it was known in the area so that um you know was a character known to everyone at least could be more known in the story as opposed to a mysterious guy kind of coming in since we already kind of have our mysterious assassin so i didn't want to introduce too many like uh, more mysterious characters coming in, um, which I love her, by the way. I think she's great. I think one of the things that, yeah, along the lines of with what you're saying, one of the things I really liked about Bazoo is that it, it felt like it really expanded the world of the story, kind of, because I think a, a tricky, one of the things you have to think about when you're doing this kind of storytelling where you're picking up someone else's thread is, like, do I advance the things that, they put on the table and just keep working with the stuff that I have or do I add something on 
Um, and I think, like, what you're saying, the, thinking about, like, someone that all of the characters already know is actually, is it, I don't know, it's, it's a good thing to think about. And it's, it's a challenge, right? Because you have to really color in between the lines of what's been set up. Like, you don't want to set up saw a person that McGrady and Ghost both know and, and it would be impossible. Um, so, like, that that's a, a worthwhile hint for future writers, I think. Yeah, and maybe not to make this all about RPGs or the comparison in this episode, but it makes me think about, like, I'm, a game I'm running now. I'm running Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay with uh, two friends and I'm laying in... I'm letting them do whatever they want, but I lay in a ton of stuff. And so... I kind of recap, send them emails afterwards of like, here's the like in, things of interest that kind of just to recap. So it's highlighted of like, here are the four or five things that you kind of ran into that could become something else. And it may never, but kind of in that same line of in an episode trying to put in, you know, three or four things that are just kind of dropped in a way of like, this could be something more, or it could go to the side, you know, depending on the interests of the writers that come after, but at least there's several options of you could take one of these five things and run with it if you find it interesting. And if you don't, that's totally cool. But at least there's something on the table to, to potentially pick up and go with. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 like the, the fact that there are multiple Veracruz brothers and they're all named after uh, cities, City, in, cities in Florida, in Florida <laughs> was like extremely entertaining to me. And then, uh, you know, in the next episode that I ended up writing after yours, we just went whole hog on and then added added more. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, uh, that, that that was, was great. Fun. Who knows what the family structure kind of really looks like with the real centers of power, right? Like we know Daytona's a real bad, you know, the big bad, but you know maybe there are other jockeying for power or other skeletons in the closet or some other X factors out there. That said, it was a really fun challenge to sit down and just say, and and actually I'm going to take this forward as a lesson learned for my writing in the future of setting, you know, in the, in the past I would, I'd write in the mornings and I'd have like an hour and a half, two hours to write before work. But I'm going to carry this forward as just like, all right, it has to be done in these two hours. And I, I know towards the end there were a couple of parts and I was like, I know I'm rushing a little bit. Like I know I could put in a couple more sentences of detail here and there, but that was kind of part of the challenge of like, it needs to be done tonight. I got to get it to Chris and Kathleen and, and see where this goes. So I would think of that less as something to be worried about um, and more of like a fun exercise and what can I come up with in a couple hours and, and try to knock it out and, and see what you get. Because uh, it was a lot of fun to afterward to think like, all right, this is, I'm feeling pretty good about this and to be able to turn it in um, and take that kind of lesson, you know, the experience on toward and use it toward my other writing, uh, which was cool. Um, Chris, where can people follow follow you online? <laughs> uh, so you can find me. It's uh, at Chris L Irvin I R V I N. That's both Instagram and Twitter where I'm mostly. And I do have websites, ChristopherIrvin.net. I'm actually in process of revamping it because I have another. I have an audio book that came out for one of my novellas a few months ago, and another Safe Inside. So Burn Cards is the novella, and then Safe Inside the Violence, which is the short story collection. Uh, has an audiobook coming out through Audible with or it will be under you can get it at Audible, through Audible in like the next month. And then Ragged, as I mentioned, that's like um 
anthropomorphic animals like Fargo meets Wind in the Willows is kind of the pitch I get for that. That is uh, should be with a new publisher this winter, so you can get it now. Um, and it's awesome. I love it. Uh, I'm very proud of that book. So I'm hoping to do something extra with the reissue of it. And actually, it's never had an uh, it's never had an ebook because my original publisher, who did a fantastic job with the paperback, just didn't believe in ebooks. And which is nice going forward because like that's a that's a little boon for the reissue. So there should be an ebook and maybe an audiobook and a new issue of a reissue of the novel with maybe a novella attached to it. So hopefully in this by the spring there should be a cool uh new version of it. So I'm excited. It'll get me back into things once you know school starts for the kids and whatever we're living for the next year kind of cements itself. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and talking to us, Chris. Absolutely. All right. All right. And so that'll be the end of the interview. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We got to get out of this closet. It's really hot.